Hi, I'm Miranda Wright with HOWC Ministries. To learn more about our ministries, please visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com. James 1, 9, we don't have to go there, so you can open to Matthew chapter 5. We're going to do the Beatitudes. <clears throat> but in James 1, 9, it says, Let the brother of low degree rejoice in that he is exalted. The brother of low degree. The world loves to preach a bless me message. We're talking about it. Everybody's always talking about how when they are blessed. But is it the same blessing that the Bible talks about, that Jesus talks about? James, the brother of Jesus, said, Let the brother of low degree rejoice in that he is exalted. So, Jesus' bless me message is found in Matthew chapter 5. We call it the Beatitudes. Verse 3 says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. When you read that, you think, I don't know, your mind just goes straight to poor and then stops there and you think, oh, blessed are the poor because, you know, God's going to look after them and all that. But it's not talking about material poor. It says poor in spirit, which can imply being needy, but it's more of a state of mind. Spirit is character. We've talked about it before. If you have the Holy Spirit, it gives you a holy character. If you have a Jezebel spirit, it gives you the same character as Jezebel. If you have a spirit of fear, it gives you a fearful character. So character is directly influenced by spirit. So if you have a poor spirit, someone who is is kind of helpless. Uh, there is a lack there in some form, but not necessarily material. This is talking about character, the poor in spirit. That person is blessed because the Bible says theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It's not exactly what we would consider blessed. In fact, I think it's basically the same thing that's mentioned in James when he says a brother of low degree. Rejoice because he will be exalted. Those who are pressed down God will lift up. So we would not look at that and say that's a blessing. We would say, oh, he's going through a hard time, that poor soul. You might even think he's cursed or that God has forsaken him like they thought about Paul many times when he was in prison. And they said, oh, you know, he's, God's rejected him, God's forsaken him, God's not with him anymore because he's in prison. When in actuality, God just sat him still so he could write much of the New Testament. One of the definitions is helpless, powerless, or powerless to accomplish an end. In other words, when you're in a place when you cannot do it in and of yourself, you're blessed because then you're going to see God miraculously do it. Then you're going to see him move in that provision. It can be in finances if that's where you're lacking, but it's not limited to finances. It even says like a person who is reduced to begging because when you come to that place where you're willing to cry out to God, then he's going to move in those miraculous ways to provide your need. And it's a blessing to see him move in those ways, and it builds your faith in a way that somebody who always has doesn't understand. And I think one way we can look at it is, I've mentioned it before, you know, we had a friend who was raised in India. His dad, they lived there. He grew up there. His dad was a minister there. He was, his name was Blessing. So, ha, preaching on blessings. But, um, you know, he mentioned he was in the state studying at Bible college, and uh, we were doing some street ministry and stuff, and he said, you know, in my country, 
we live by miracles. We see miracles every day. You know, miracles of hands growing out and eyes coming back and the lame being healed and people coming out of wheelchairs. He said, you know, we live by miracles because we have to. We don't have any other option. Um, they, they were very persecuted there. He said there was a time when the Muslims came with machetes to kill my dad and one of the Hindu sacred cows came and walked in front of the door of the church and they wouldn't let him in. And they couldn't do anything to it because it was a big deal in that country to kill one of these cows so they couldn't touch it. So like God just worked these things together to protect him and they, they eventually left after like a day of sitting there and waiting and the cow would not move. So God moved in miracles every day. They saw, he said to just to have food, we saw miracles daily. He said, but I come to America, and it's so hard to believe for a miracle because we're not poor in spirit. There's no desperation. There's not a, a need. You don't, God will move in the need. He is there for the broken and the destitute. So blessed is the person who lives by that and sees it. He had faith for it. His faith wasn't any different. But God moves by the need of the people. And if there's not a cry in the heart, if there's not a prayer, if there's not a cry going out, he's, he's not moving in it. And we've, we've been in those situations in our life where we were poor in spirit, we were broken, we were destitute, we were hurting, there was something happening and we cried out and we saw him move quickly. But you don't see it every day because you're not in that state every day. So blessed were we to be in that state, to witness it, to feel that closeness and that power. That's what Jesus says is a real blessing. And it's contrary to what the world teaches or blessings. Verse 4 says, Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. We understand what mourning is, grieving, suffering, loss. Jesus says you're blessed when you experience this because then you'll truly experience the comfort of the Holy Spirit who is the comforter. If you never experience those things, then you'll never know the depths of his comforter. God is more real and more personable to those who need, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. That means those who don't have very much, the humble. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. This is a good one because it's implying a desire to learn more of God, to pursue God. Basically, it's saying you can have as much of God as you want. How hungry and how thirsty are you? How much are you pursuing? If there's a dryness, if there's a lack, it's not God's fault. It's something on our end. There's either sin or a lack of desperation. Are you pursuing? Because he has made as much available to us as we are willing to hunger and thirst and go after. And if you don't really comprehend what that means, go on a fast. Not just food, but water. When you're not drinking and you're not eating, there is a driving, there is a pulling, there is a continual reminder to get that thing. So if we have that for God, if it's a constant continual throughout the day reminder of pulling and seeking and going after, how many times do you walk to the refrigerator? How many times do you walk to the cabinet? How many times do you think about what you're going to fix in the day? We should think of God and his righteousness and his word more and then we will grow spiritually more than we're growing physically. <laughs> Verse 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. 
be merciful to others. In fact, the Bible says that with the same measure that you measure out, it shall be measured back unto you. So it doesn't just apply in mercy. But when you show mercy, God will show you mercy. When you forgive, God will forgive you. When you tend to the needs of others, God will tend to your needs. Whatever measure you measure out, God will always measure back unto you multiplied. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. You can look for these characters in the person that truly has the spirit of God, the one who is bringing peace. And we can look at the flip side, one of the seven things that it says that God hates, one of the characteristics of someone who has um, an unclean and evil and antichrist spirit, it says it is an abomination unto the Lord, is one who sows discord among the brethren. So look to the fruits, the character. One who brings peace is considered a child of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And I would say to add to it, not only those who are persecuted, but those who respond rightly to the persecution. Because if you're persecuted for heaven's sake and you respond rightly, you continue to love and maintain your righteousness and demonstrate the message of Jesus, then yours is the kingdom of heaven. And the Bible says, blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Then it goes on to say, what good are you if you lose your saltiness? We understand all of that. That he's saying this is our purpose in the earth, is to preserve the earth and be the difference. So don't lose that. But one thing that I want to point out is that really when you look at the entire list of beatitudes, all of these things that Jesus says really blesses you, they're all states of mind. They're all character. It's, it's nothing physical here. There's nothing material in this listing. Poor in spirit, those that mourn, those who are meek or humble, those who are hungry for righteousness, those that are merciful, those that are pure in heart, those who are peacemakers, and those who endure persecution. It's all mindsets, it's all characteristics because this person is demonstrating the fruits of the Spirit. Therefore, they are blessed. They will receive reward in heaven. God never looks at the physical, material world around us as blessings like we do. You tell somebody, name, count your blessings. And we, and we do that, you know, because people are always so apt to mumble and complain and murmur. And it's like, you need to count your blessings. Thank God every day for your blessings. What are you going to list off? Thank you, Lord, for my house, my car. Thank you for this. Thank you for that. Thank you for an air condition. Thank you. For... That's not really what God sees as blessings. How many times are you going to say, Lord, thank you that that person cursed me out today? And I was able to smile back and say, God bless you, because that's a blessing. You just earned rewards in heaven. All those other things that we were thanking for are going to burn up. So if we see things a little more differently, more biblically, I think we would respond differently to our daily trials and tribulations and begin to 
even appreciate them, which is what the Bible teaches. Paul was always saying, rejoice when you fall into these trials and temptations. Don't think that it's something strange. It happens to everyone. It's perfecting you. It's working all of these great things in you. There is reason in it. And sometimes you think that all these hard things happen and it's, it's woe is me and, and I'm so forgotten and overlooked. And No, rejoice. There is blessing in it. And God sees those who are willing to endure it and demonstrate the fruits of the Spirit as truly blessed. And it says that he will exalt those that have this character. So this is how Jesus says that we become blessed. Let's go to Psalms 103 and see how we can bless God. Because yes, there are many teachings and preachings and seminars on how to become blessed. But how many times do we seek to bless God? When um, T-Boy first got saved, you know, love T-Boy, rough and tumble and very unchurched. And when he got saved, it was very so just sweet and innocent and childlike. And, and he came to us at the door and he said, God has blessed me. I feel so different. How do I bless him? And it's not something people often ask. It's not something you even think about. Well, we can't bless God. God is, God has everything. God is all powerful. No, that's the right attitude. That's the attitude that a, a child has that a baby has. They don't have things, but if they can pick you a flower and bring it to you, then that blesses you. A hug and a kiss, they give what they can, even though they have almost nothing to give. And God is blessed by his children. In Psalms 103, it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. So I think one of the major ways we can bless God is to be thankful and to thank him, not so much even just for the things he has given us, but for who he is and for all that he has done. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. I love this, how he's blessing God, but as he blessed God and he's thanking God for who he is and all his wonderful things, he, he's not really focusing on, thank you for my house, my car, my this, my that. He's saying, thank you that you healed me. Thank you that you forgave my sins. Thank you that you crowned me with loving kindness and tender mercies who satisfies my mouth with good things so that my youth is renewed like the eagles. Even when he thanks God for his food and his provision, it's not in the sense of thank you that you give us all this expensive stuff that tastes really good and not good for me. He's actually thanking him for the stuff that was healthy, the stuff that renewed me and made me have strength like when I was a, young, a youth. The Lord executeth righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. Thanking him for his justice. He made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. Just going over the attributes of God. I'll go ahead and read the whole chapter. It's not that long. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, 
nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. Thanking him that he is not giving us what we deserve or that he has been merciful to us. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. For he knoweth our frame, he remember that we are dust. I love that verse. That's very encouraging, especially when you mess up. It's to remind you of the mercy of God. As for man, his days are as grass. As the flower of the field, so he flourisheth. For the wind passeth over it, and it is gone, and the place thereof shall know it no more. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting, unto them that fear him, and his righteousness unto children's children. To such as keep his covenant, and to those who remember his commandments to do them. The Lord hath prepared his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom ruleth over all. Bless the Lord, ye his angels that excel in strength, that do his commandments, hearkening unto the voice of his words. Remember that in the New Testament, because of who we have become in Christ, that we are actually higher than the angels and can command angels. So I think it interesting that the psalmist is actually commanding the angels to bless the Lord. Bless ye the Lord, all ye his hosts, ye ministers of his that do his pleasure. Bless the Lord, all his works in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. So as we... Focus tonight on being blessed. I think it's just as important to remember that we can also bless God. Praising, worshiping blesses God. I think just sitting in his presence and expressing thanks and love and adoration is probably one of the most things that blesses the Lord. Now, when we looked at Matthew, we saw that all of the things that were causing us to be blessed were from a state of mind, like from our character. But when we look at how we blessed God, he kept saying, bless the Lord, O my soul, like from our emotions, from our soul, from the mind, will, and the emotions. So when our soul or emotions are humbled, our spirit is blessed. When you look at the, the Beatitudes, everything that happened was something humbling. It was humbling to our, our soul. The soul is the mind, the will, and the emotions what I think, what I want, and what I feel. So when those things are humbled, the poor in spirit, the meek, all those things that were mentioned, persecution, the things that humble our, our soul cause our spirit to be blessed. But in giving blessings back to God, the spirit released blessings through the soul, which was the emotions. So we are blessed when our spirit or character is strengthened through the subduing of our soul. So what starts in the soul affects the spirit. Yet to bless God, we do it from our soul, but it originates from our spirit. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. That's why sometimes, even when you don't feel like it, you still do it, you still praise, because the spirit's telling the soul to do it. It comes through the soul. 
but it originates from the Spirit. So basically, when the Spirit is in control and using the soul, we're blessing God. But when God humbles our soul so that the Spirit can gain control, it's blessing us. It's all about subduing the soul. So one who is led of the Spirit and not the emotions blesses God. One who is learning to do this is being blessed by God, even if it's a hard lesson to learn. Blessings are not material things that moth and rust can destroy. They are eternal changes in your character for the better that will grant you rewards in heaven and allow God to trust you with greater giftings both here and there. Go to 1 Timothy 6, verse 2. And they that have believing masters, let them not despise them, because they are brethren, but rather do them service, because they are faithful and beloved partakers of the benefit. He was giving instruction because there were some who were being rebellious against their masters, uh, employers, leaders, heads of church, and anybody who was their authorities, let's say it that way. And he's saying, don't do it because it puts a bad name on Christians, but even more so if your authority is a Christian because your brothers don't fight against each other or pit for position. These things teach and exhort. If any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness, he is proud. So anyone who's not willing to submit to those authorities, especially godly ones, he said, what they're teaching is based in pride. And they know nothing but doting about questions and strifes of words, whereof cometh envying, strife, railings, evil surmising, perverse disputings of men of corrupt mind and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness from such Withdraw thyself. So these people that are envying and fighting and pitting for position and wanting attention even within the church are the same ones who are preaching that gain is godliness, that you are blessed when you get more material things, that if you're gaining a bunch of stuff from God, money and houses and cars, and titles and positions, then that means that God must really be approving of you. He says from these kinds of people, turn away, withdraw thyself, but rather godliness with contentment is gain. So if you are content with being godly, with producing the character, then that in itself is gain because that's what Jesus says really blesses you because God's looking for people that he can trust with real blessings in eternity and we're not just talking about you know a house on a hill god said he's going to make us judges over angels and rulers over cities and we don't know fully what that's going to play out to be but there's something that goes on beyond this world beyond uh, what we're doing now beyond the resurrection so there's a blessing in proving the character now that he can trust you to do something then so be content with where he has you in the moment, for we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain that we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothes, let us be therewith content. 
but they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lust, which drown men in destruction and perdition. So I don't know how those who are preaching this money cometh and believe for all of this stuff missed this because Paul is specifically telling us not only don't preach it, but run away from those who do and that they're actually causing people to drown in destruction and perdition when you fix people's mind on materialism. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some covet after, they have erred from the faith. So those who are coveting after, sow your seed and believe for, right? If you are coveting after these things, you have already erred from the faith. You know, believing for, you know, that $20,000 purse and that $4 million house and you have erred from the faith. The Lord wants me to have that $100,000 car. There's a spirit speaking, but it's not the Holy Spirit. You have erred from the faith. They have been pierced through with many sorrows. Pray for them. They don't realize how deceived they are. But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Again, he's turning their eyes away from the physical and the material back to what? The character, the fruits of the Spirit. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life whereunto thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. So God blesses us with trials. He blessed Jesus as soon as he gave him the Holy Spirit by leading him into the wilderness to be tested. Why? Because he wanted to elevate him. When God takes us through a testing, it's because he wants to entrust something great to us. He wants to elevate. He wants us to be in covenant. Covenant means partnership. That means we rule and reign with him, but we have to go through the testings and the trainings that will equip us to do that. And those things are difficult, but we are blessed whenever he chooses to do it. But if we run from those things, seeking the easy, please me, materialistic, fake gospel, then we actually miss our real blessing. God does not see these things as blessings. Now, we know that Abraham had things, and we've said it before, that God will often bless most those material things, those who desire at least because he knows he can trust them with it. If God can trust you to use the materials and resources he gives you to do the work of the kingdom, he's going to give you more of it. But if you consume it upon your own lust, well, he's not going to entrust that. So when God does give us something, we need to thank him for it. Whether it's a trial that improves our character, thank you, Lord. Honestly, I am grateful for the hardest trials that I've been through in the attacks because I know that most of my greatest learning and even the messages always came out of those things because he was teaching me through the process. I'll be honest with you, when things are very easy in the church, praise God, we love it, but at the same time, the messages are pretty basic in kindergarten and dry because... There's not a need to get that deep revelation. And you can always tell when somebody's not in prayer and in warfare and not really pressing in to the Spirit because their messages will get very uh, simple. Because when you have to fight, you have to dig. You have to get the revelation. So, Lord, when those complications come, praise God for it. If we can learn something from it, that will help somebody else 
Like things got easy for a little while. Things were good in the church, praise God. There was no more conflict. There was nothing going on. Things got easy. The messages got simple. So what happened? God helped me connect with another church who was in turmoil and started warring and praying and fasting for them. So then the messages started coming again because then I was getting revelation through their trials and tribulation. I was still learning and teaching and growing in the going. It seemed like being poor in spirit, but it ended up being a blessing for me and for them and for whoever else, our children down the road years later who may learn from these messages. But when God gives you something, whether it is a trial or a physical thing, because he does give those things also sometimes, then it is good to be grateful and to thank him for provision. But know that material things are not really what he sees as blessings. And those who turn your focus to such are not speaking by the leading of the Holy Spirit. You don't have to turn there, but Colossians 3, 2 says, Set your affections on things above, not on the things of this earth. This might seem like a very simple message for us, but I'm telling you, you know, Wayne was joking about the the live stream and the podcast and, and how sometimes the message really isn't for us. I think we mostly get this, but in dealing with these other churches and people that I would think would know better than finding out how much they really don't, it's very sad, the state that the church is in, that they do not understand the real gospel of Jesus They really have been so indoctrinated in this baptism of materialism and false doctrine that they are just so lost and it's just bringing in all of the wrong spirits. It's feeding envy. It's causing division. It's causing contention. They're all fighting to take over each other's kingdom and and there's pride stirring up and it's like you're listening to the wrong spirits because this is not lining up with the scripture. That's not the gospel of Jesus. You're fighting over wood, stubble, and hay. You're fighting over ashes, and you're losing souls in the process. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10 says, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also, and the works that are therein, shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for the hastening unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Philippians 3.17 says, Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an example. Paul was saying that use us as an example, use this character, and mark those who walk contrary to it. And there were some scriptures leading up to it that kind of described that. For many walk, of whom I have told you often, And now tell you, even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, of whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. For our conversation is in heaven. 
whom whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. These are strong words. Paul says that these people are the enemy of the cross of Christ. They do what their soul wants, what their belly wants. They're led by what I want, what I feel, what I think. Gimme, gimme, gimme. They mind earthly things. To them, the physical things are the blessings. They esteem that of more importance than the character or the fruits of the Spirit or being obedient to the voice of Jesus. He says, but our conversation, we don't even talk in that area. We focus on heavenly things. We look for his returning. We look for his coming. We look to build up treasures in heaven. You know, and, and I've heard people complain about those who preach too much about the end times or the coming of Jesus or the resurrection or the return. And it's like, well, Scripture says that that really is what we should be focusing on. And I'm guilty of it, too, because I can remember when I was a kid, you know, at church, those old hymnals, it all seemed to be about glory land and when you die. And I was like, these people are so depressing, they can't wait to die. But in actuality, they, they were in the right place. They were looking for something better. They had the faith of Abraham. They were looking for what's coming, not setting their focus so much on where we are right now. Because when you look too much in the here and the now, it brings your focus back to materialism and back to building your own kingdom. Then that starts to stir up contention and envy and covetousness and, and all of these distractions. Keep reminding yourself that it's all wood, stubble, and hay. It's all going to be ashes. Keep looking for what's coming and living for that. Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 7 says, Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord, whose hope is in the Lord. For he shall be as a tree planted by waters, and that spreadeth out her roots by the river, and shall not see when heat cometh, but her leaf shall be green and shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. So again, the blessings, according to Scripture, always go back to the fruits of the Spirit. Blessed is the one who yields fruit. If you trust in the Lord, you'll yield fruit, even in the droughts, even when it's not being preached, even when it's not being taught, even when... Things are hard even when you're being persecuted. Trust in the Lord. Seek Him. Get your roots planted deep in the Word. Because these people that I'm, I'm dealing with, that's really the problem. They don't really know the Word. So it's easy for all these self-please-me messages to get in and take root. It's a shallow message. Get rooted in deep to the message of Jesus and believe what he had to teach. So Lord, we thank you for the Beatitudes message. We thank you for all of your teachings. We thank you for the humility that you came to demonstrate to us, Lord. We thank you that we see how it played out for you, that though everything you endured seemed to the eyes of those around you to be a cursing and a scourging, Lord, that in the end it truly was the greater blessing that you were exalted, you were lifted up, you were magnified, and you were given a place in heaven, Lord. And you said that we will be given a place seated by you, Lord, to rule and reign with you. 
if we pick up our cross and follow after you, Lord. And we can do these things with joy, Lord, because we understand what's really happening, that everything we go through is meant to teach us, to grow us, to prune us, to make us more like you, that we might produce those peaceable fruits of righteousness, Lord. And we thank you for the times that the physical things come, Lord, and you give us the provision. Help us to rightly steward it, Lord, that you not have to remove it, Lord, because sometimes when we get those things, they get in the way and then you have to remove them to keep working at those fruits in us, Lord. So give us wisdom and how to steward what you give us, Lord. And let us never speak anything that puts men's focus on that rather than on you, what you did, what you are doing, and the fact that you are coming back and we can't hold on to any of these things, Lord. But we can hold on to the character, the fruits of the Spirit, the things that you've taught us and the souls that we've helped lead in by demonstrating it, Lord, that in the kingdom to come, we will carry these lessons and these these will be the real blessings, Lord, that you will be able to trust us with greater things to come, Lord, things that have not even entered into the hearts of man that we cannot even fully imagine. But we know that you have a purpose for every trial and tribulation that you take us through. So, Lord, we thank you for them and we count them as blessings. In Jesus' name, amen. This message was brought to you by HOWC Ministries. To learn more about our ministries, please visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com.